feet. So just you should feel special about it, you know. Does that chair better now that you're not in the yes. Shaw? Like Shaw broken chair. Yeah, yes. we we have to now adjust okay, our recording. chairs because uh, Brian Shaw busted the podcast chairs. <laughs> Shout out to Brian Shaw. We're recording. Okay. All right. So welcome to the show, Brandon Folken. Let's let's. We were just talking about what your introduction would be. I guess fitness uh, model, gym owner, entrepreneur, partner, Jay's pet butter. Uh, what else do we call you? Uh, father, proud father, yeah, father, uh, fiance. Got, got my girl in the house yeah, here. Congratulations. Yeah, that's recent. Texan. Texan. <laughs> Previous well, South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota. Yeah. No tax in South Dakota. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to uh, to Vegas. I know you. Uh, we've been kind of planning this a little bit, and uh, it's it's good to have you here. I know you're here for a little mini getaway. Yeah. Real quick. Uh, Vegas is always a good time, though. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Why aren't you uh, staying longer? Uh, just got to get back. Business, man. Gotta get back. Yeah. Got got stuff to do. Got a busy week ahead. And uh, trying to keep up with Jay over here, man. The guy never stops working. So. Uh, he's got a crazy, he's crazy gym. He's being, uh, he's being modest about the uh, the gym culture in Lubbock. Tell us a little bit about that experience now. Yeah, we just hit one year uh, at gym culture in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, it's gone phenomenal. Uh, try to create an amazing experience for our guests and everything's going well and super proud of it looking to have a second location hopefully this year and uh, continue to grow from there how uh how has the gym business been i mean it's a, it's something that we see popping up quite a bit now i mean there's a huge huge influx of gyms coming to vegas but you know you mentioned uh south dakota and you chose lubbock to open up is this your first facility or uh, I've worked on other gyms in the past. I did a lot of corporate wellness and built gyms for various corporations over the years. And so uh, this is the first big box that I've ever built. And, you know, Lubbock, in my opinion, needed something like that. You know, it's it's a, it's a higher-end facility. Um, there's a lot of successful people in Lubbock. And a lot of the gyms were the, the big box, you know, the, the crunches and, and stuff like that. And the experience is just completely different. You know, we're big on amenities, we're really big on service, and really big on our relationships and uh, getting to know our members. So, so what's your message there then to the community? Uh, well, our, our saying is community-inspired, people-driven, and we're inspired by the community. Uh, the community inspires us. We, we love the people, and we want them to grow with us, and uh, we want to grow with them. And Texas Tech is uh, your neighbor, which is pretty, pretty cool there. Yeah, and uh, for those that don't, Texas Tech is the... <laughs> home of Patrick Mahomes, and, uh, you know, if, if you don't know where Lubbock is, you pretty much know who he is. Uh, so you were rooting for the Chiefs then for the Super Bowl then, huh? I was rooting for Patrick Mahomes. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's how a lot of people are now. They don't care about the team. They care about you're a fan of pl- certain players. I guess if you're, you know, in the community, yeah. I'm sure he, he, he is significant. So if Patrick there. went to a different team, you'd probably, you're a fan of him. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, when Michael Jordan left the Bulls, was everybody still a Bulls fan? Not not always. They watched the Wizards when he played. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Well, tell us uh tell us a little bit about your background cuz I know uh listen, I know you very well, but you know, you 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 also personal trained you have in the past. I know you still have some some partake in that, but I mean, the management of the gym is the big thing now. Yep. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Jay's pet butter cuz uh you are the reason that we are in this Jay's pet butter. A collaboration together so let's get a little bit of background on upbringing uh you know fitness because i know you've you've graced a million covers um 
really, you know, worked with a ton of brands, like interest, what, what draw, what drew you to being, you know, who you are and establishing, you know, your reputation in the industry? Well, my background started uh, different than a lot of people would probably think. Uh, mine more so started off with hardship. And uh, by that meaning, I, I grew up in a pretty uh, turbulent circumstances. And I was attracted to people like, you know, Superman and Hulk Hogan and people like that, like people that were strong and had muscle. And I wanted to be like that. And athletics were one way that I made friends. I moved around a lot, went to a lot of different schools when I was very young. And I was, uh, I was mesmerized by, by, by bodybuilding and by strong people. And I knew I wanted to be like that. And unfortunately, I wasn't blessed with amazing genetics up front. And uh, when I got to high school, I couldn't bench press 100 pounds when I was a freshman in high school. And the hierarchy of who's cool is, you know, kind of what you bench in high school. That's the lift. It's and still so, kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and that's where I got started. Uh, a freshman in high school, 14 years old. And this is before, you know, internet and, you know, Instagram and Facebook and a million articles and videos and YouTube and all that. So we had magazines. And one of the first people I ever saw in a magazine that I, I looked up to was Jay. And, uh, you know, whether or not it was, <laughs> it was his article, meaning, you Legendary. Know, I almost want to say, if he only knew how, <laughs> how, how crazy you were. <laughs> no, we laugh because we've had a lot of people on the podcast and it always falls in this. And I swear to God, we don't line up these guests no. that have looked at me first in a book. But yeah. do you remember when this was or? Uh, it would have been like 95, 96. Yeah, that's when I first came on the scene. Actually. Yeah. It was the hair is what it was. It was so the that hair. was the attraction. Yeah. I was well, like, man. Don't be jealous. Don't be a hater. Well, dude, dude my, <laughs> my hair <laughs> fell out many years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and that's where you got your information about working out, diet, all that stuff. And so through high school, I really lifted hard and, you know, did did the best that I could and, you know, built the, the foundation, so to speak, to, to where I was going to go. And, uh, you know, through my 20s, I just stayed consistent. I kept lifting and lifting and lifting and did it as a passion. I did it because I loved it. You know, I didn't have aspirations to go off to California or Vegas or anything like that because I didn't have the genetics to be a big bodybuilder. I just, I didn't. I'm six foot one. I'm longer. I'm lengthier. And uh, the opportunities for somebody like me didn't really, really exist. And I didn't compete until I was 30 years old. And when I did that, I started in bodybuilding and then the physique division came out. And somebody who loved bodybuilding, uh, I looked at the physique division and I'm like, if I do this, I'm going to get made fun of. I'm going to wear shorts up there. They're going to make fun of me. And you would hear these bodybuilders that you looked up to, you know, up front, they were kind of. They trashed them, huh? Yeah, trash yeah, it. Yeah. You know, they made fun of it a little bit. I never and, did. But, yeah. And, uh, you know, so I ended up starting and I loved it. Uh, it's somewhere that I fit in aesthetically. It's something that I felt I could do. And right after I started competing in that, opportunities uh, started to, to come my way. I won the Muscle and Fitness Online Male Model Contest, and I went to the Olympia that year uh, to compete in, the, in, in that contest. What year was this? 14? Uh, no, that was 2011. 11? Okay. Uh, That's about when they started it. <clears throat> yeah, 2011. I was in the second year. Okay. And uh, that's actually where I met Jay the first time. He was backstage. And he was really, really nice to everybody. Uh, he was present. 
which threw me off because I was from South Dakota. He had never, you know, really had the opportunity. Actually, I take that back. I had met him one time before. I actually met you in South Dakota. Yeah, you drove out there, yeah. Yes, I met you a few years before that uh, at a meet and greet. And actually what was thrown, thrown off was we didn't talk about bodybuilding or weight training or nutrition or anything. He asked us about South Dakota, what we did there. Uh, I think he talked about fishing, uh, if I remember right, if we, if we fished there. But he was interested in what we did there. And it was just a very brief encounter. But the next time I actually really got to talk to him was at the Olympia. And to have somebody like him take the time to, to talk to you was, it was surreal. And while I was there, uh, this is when bodybuilding.com was kind of the king of, of a lot of stuff. You know, they were the leader, uh, had 35 million views a month. I mean, it was a big deal um, at the time. And I sat in their line and I went through and Jamie Eason was, you know, kind of the, the headliner. And when I met her, we just started talking and she told me, she's like, I really think you could do something in fitness. And uh, I was like, Jay didn't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so she told me to sign up for the bodybuilding.com spokesmodel contest. And I did. And I ended up being a spokesmodel finalist and went to LA and competed there and, and bodybuilding.com signed me. And from there, it was just like one thing after another uh, just kept happening for me. I uh, became kind of the head athlete at B-Sports Nutrition. I transitioned from there, and I went to Dimatize, became their head athlete, stayed with Bodybuilding.com, worked with a ton of other companies. But all the way through that, and you know, for probably 10 straight years, every Arnold, every Olympia, you know, you would see Jay having breakfast, or you'd see him in the hall or whatnot, and he was always kind, courteous. He connected with you. And that's something for somebody like me who, you know, in comparison, I'm, I'm a nobody compared to Jay, meant the world to me, you know, that somebody like him would recognize you or remember you or take the time to talk to you. And that continued to, to build over years. And uh, eventually, I would say we became friends. Yeah. So you, you're from South Dakota, like with the town you grew up in, how many people? Uh, about it's about 130,000 when I was nice. a kid. There's about 200,000 now. What city? Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. So did you have some sort of uh, resistance to stepping out of South Dakota? Was that maybe a dream to get out there to actually participate in these kind of things? Because I'm sure there's not a lot of people that go from South Dakota and they travel around and get involved in such a big community, the fitness space. You know, I never thought I could do any of those things. That's the thing. Why like, though? Because it was never a goal. Nobody, you don't grow up in South Dakota thinking, you know, I'm going to go off and do this, that, or whatever. Um, like I said, especially in the bodybuilding area, knowing I was never going to be good enough for that. The space opened up for me as things changed, as physique and other divisions grew. And, you know, you were able to get in magazines, which at one point were a big deal. And uh, were you able to sign sponsorship contracts and stuff, you know, so that as, as the industry changed, opportunities arose. Before that, it was, it would have never been a dream of mine. I wanted to be big and strong, but you know, to, to look at, at you or anybody like that, I, I have a reverence for that and a respect for that. Mm -hmm. I knew I couldn't be that. I just, I know, but that. you see like 20, I think like Mark Anthony won the first men's physique Olympia 2013. Right. Yeah. So I think they started the division right around like 12 or something like that. When do you, was your first competition? Do you remember what year it was? That would have been uh, the same year, 2012. Okay. So now you have an opportunity to stand on stage, right? Do you look at some of those guys that 
were relevant more as kind of role models where you might have looked at like the bodybuilding side and you mentioned, you know, seeing like superheroes or Hulk Hogan, all these people, the shift in your mind changes and saying, okay, I have limitations. This is a platform for me, but who inspires you? Or was it, was that the early stage of social media? Because I know like Dana and Rob started to come on about that time. Right. And yeah, I mean, we had people doing YouTube and that kind of stuff. So like who, who was the early, would you say, this 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 the uh version of like more men's physique that you looked at so when i first got on instagram and and all that um you know i would say i'm i hate to say the word pioneer but i did like the very first minnesota physique show like for south dakota like all that the first two people i looked at number one was steve cook yeah by far. he was big then he's bodyman.com right then yes too. you know he was the optimum you know athlete bodybuilding.com in my eyes, there was nobody bigger in the space of something I could be. And it's funny because when I signed with bodybuilding.com, he's who they were comparing me to. We had a similar build, similar look. Um, but he was the first one. Uh, Alex Carnero was another mm-hmm. one. Uh, him and Steve Cook were both optimum guys and both you know, in the forefront of when all of this first started. And looking at those guys, that was attainable. Attainable for you. That was something I thought I could do. And that's why I pushed so hard to do it. And why I did compete is I found I found my space, um, and not my space the the app, yeah. but my space in general. Like I knew I could do that. I knew with you know the right training and time and, and effort that you know I could I could do a lot more in the industry. Yeah. Did you see Greg Plitt at that time too? So actually, when I met Jamie, uh, when she told me to sign up for the spokesmodel contest, mm-hmm. I met Greg the same day, and he was crazy welcoming. Uh, he filmed with me and him in his, for one of his YouTube videos. So the very first time I met him, mm-hmm. I was in one of his videos. Um, and again, standing side by side with him, I was like, okay, like I was motivated. I was like, I could do this. So for sure. Yeah. He was very relevant in that space. And, you know, unfortunately like he, you know, he, uh, he passed away early on. And I think he inspired a lot of these early people when it came to, you know, putting content out and everything else. But I, I always wondered if someone like yourself would was looking at it as like, Hey, I have a physique, but you know, to, to build the personality, try to be on camera. Was that ever something that you looked to do? I think he was ahead of a lot of people. You know, he had a subscription model and all that mm-hmm. before, you know, a lot of people did. Um, and he had his own type of content and how he did things. I didn't see myself like him. I mean, he was, you know, a thrill seeker, did a lot of crazy mm-hmm. stuff, but physique wise, you know, his energy, um, and then with bodybuilding.com, that's where I found my voice, you know, because they gave me the opportunity to film videos and create my own content and stuff like that. So it really, um, that's where I kind of found my voice on what my brand was. And I went from there. During all this time, were you still living in South Dakota yes. when all this was happening? The At what time. point did you say, I need to relocate? You know, there wasn't any time it, uh, I had a phenomenal corporate job and everything. Corporate, corporate meaning what? Like so that. I was the wellness director for a company called Poet. They are the world's largest ethanol producer. Um, we built that program from the ground up. I did that for nine years. And so for me, the fitness industry was safe. I didn't have to stand outside of my morals or do anything crazy to try to make it. Um, I did it on my own time with my, the effort that I had and was able to succeed on both fronts. 
Um, I had a corporation that stood behind me in doing these things. And I was able to travel out. I mean, I remember one year I traveled like 36 weekends and, you know, they supported that. So it, uh, it didn't make sense to me to leave because, you know, all my family, my friends, everybody was in South Dakota. I had a great job. Everything I did on, on the fitness side was a bonus. And so there wasn't a reason to, to move, um, at that time. Yes. So you, you became more the business side though. Yes. Is that because you reached a limit on your fitness or was it where it just happened to transition? Cause you said you developed all these relationships with these brands, right? Yeah. And you're endorsing and whatever else. I mean, when does it click in your mind? Like I need to kind of build my own thing. Yeah. You start to look at those things and you look at the, the longevity of an athlete. You look at pro athletes, you know, how long do those contracts last? And as I move forward, um, I was previously married and um, she developed a, a supplement company. I developed a peanut butter company and we started to market and create other, other brands that would have more of a lasting effect and more income coming in for the long term as opposed to a year or a two year contract which again, at the end of your career, those go, those tend to go away unless you, you know, look at today's model where if you have a massive following, you're still able to monetize things and and make money. But, um, but I would say, I would say about halfway through my run, so to speak in fitness, because again, like I said, it was about 10 straight years of stuff. That's when you start to look at, at doing your own thing and, and trying to create more. Um, I left that company poet and I became the wellness director, um, at another company, which is, um, uh, Creston and they, uh, own Victra, which is the U S's largest, um, Verizon retailer. They have like almost 3000 stores and working with one of my close friends there, we worked for about three straight years on, on different possibilities on businesses that we could coexist in. And with him, it's volume. He takes everything to volume, whether it's gyms, whether it's, you know, phone stores or whatnot. And unfortunately, in those three years, we just didn't find the right model to grow with. And that's what led me to Lubbock. So. And was your first venture the the nuts? Yeah. So, uh, Folk and Nuts, I did that for just about five years. Uh, sold that last year to a private equity company. Um so how take a step back how did you what gave you the confidence to do that because you used to eat a jar of peanut butter a night yeah i mean is that what it was like what made you go (laughs) what made you go i'm not joking i know i'm just i'm just saying what instead of going for a supplement or a clothing line you're like i'm going after jiffy you know we i was kind of known as a peanut butter guy so one of my very first sponsors was nuts and more um they were great to me i loved the product great company. Um, love peanut butter. And I moved forward, uh, after that relationship and all these companies would send me peanut butter. If you looked at my ca- cabinet, I mean, probably not unlike Jay's, you know, everybody well, says that's cause you, stuff. cause he, can yeah. you eat them all. <laughs> yeah. So, but I would have 80 jars of peanut butter from every company you could think of. And I just kept saying, I'm like, you know, I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. And the year that I started, I had no idea how to do it other than I had worked with other brands and and other concepts and stuff. I didn't know how to make the product. I didn't own a factory. I just knew that I had a name and I knew that I loved peanut butter. 
and it was my New Year's resolution. Passion. Well, you and always so, talk about passion, yeah, right? Yeah, so I got started, and it took me about four months. I found the right company to make it, uh, was able to knock down the recipes that I wanted. I started with five flavors, three, three flavored and two that were just smooth and crunchy, and, uh, and launched it. And the first month, it, it took off pretty fast. Um, it, it was surprising. I didn't, I didn't see it going where it went. Uh, the first month, I did like $30,000 in sales. Like how, though? So- social media? Just like social Instagram? Media. I was or, just posting. Or friends, and, like in the industry? Just posting. And that was the first month. And then after that, what I, I started doing is I was sending the product to friends in the industry. And the one thing I never did and knowing it myself, I've, I've got a, a smaller but decent following and knowing people like Jay that have a big following, I just sent product out to people. I never asked them to post it. I never asked them to share it. I just figured if they liked it, they would post it. And I had sent some to one influencer and she posted it randomly. Never even expected. I even forgot I sent it to her and our sales like spiked through the roof. Like my website crashed like three times from this person. It was crazy. And to see the power of what a person was capable of just by posting your product really resonated with me right there. And so over the course of years, that's what I did. I would just send product out to people. And it was fun because those products were almost like a calling card to meet somebody. You know, most people love peanut butter, right? And we had upwards of 40 flavors. And so it was a way for me to network, get to know people, um, be credible with people, and then send them something without asking for something in return. Mm -hmm. So almost creating value in, in other people's lives, you know, regardless of how big their name was or how famous they were or, or whatnot. And as it was my brand, I could do what I wanted with it and have fun with it. And that's what I did and met a lot of amazing people with it and created a lot of great relationships. And one of those that spurned out of that was, you know, working with Jay. Did you, um, uh, did you primarily before you sold it, was it mostly online or did you start going after major retailers as well? So we were in stores, uh, various grocery and, and stores like that. We were poised to make a, a run at it, so to speak. And uh, I invested money into uh, a big broker that had all these connections. Um, by all accounts, you know, we were supposed to be in 3,000 stores, you know, that year. And uh, it was right after COVID. So I would say we're, we're a product of COVID. Um, the big retailers like, you know, oh, let's say everybody from Whole Foods to Sam's Club to Costco to anybody, the majority of them weren't picking up a lot of new products. They weren't picking up jams and jellies in that category, Albertsons, Safeway, any of them. And so I've got this guy basically on retainer, which was my first flaw, and paid him a lot of money. And we didn't get into one single grocery uh, working together that entire year. And the thing about that was, is they never told me that none of these stores were picking up those products. So you just took your money? Basically just took the money. Um, they were referred by another person. They had a phenomenal track record, but the, 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 the companies that they were pitching kept just putting them off. Repitch us, repitch us, repitch us. So it was never a no. We love your product. We love your product. And I saw the emails and messages and letters. I saw all of that. You know, we were being praised because they loved the product. They loved the whole quirkiness of the name and everything. Uh, but none of them were picking up those products. And so I spent a year on that. And then after that, the energy to get back into that and try to 
push it again. It just wasn't the same anymore. Yeah. And so I had a few people offer to buy it uh, that had approached me and I kind of kept putting it off, putting it off because again, I had so much fun with it and I love the creation part of it, you know, coming up with crazy flavors and, and all that stuff. But beyond how do that, you do that though, what's how, that? like, how do you come up with these flavors like that? It's, you just uh, think of what you like or is it like opinions of people or it just pops into your head. You know, you see trends, you know, like monster cookie was our number one flavor by far. And we created that for an influencer actually, uh, because she said that was her favorite cookie in the whole world was monster cookie. Um, other flavors like we did like a movie night. And so I took all the, uh, candies you would have in a movie and I put three or four candies yeah. together. Pretty good. Actually. I tried yeah, a lot of yeah. this stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, and some of them are common, you know, cookies and cream and, and stuff like that or trying different ingredients. Like, you know, we had a s'mores that I used uh, like golden grams and then marshmallows and, and a, a chocolate flavor. Mm-hmm. So really it was just trial, trial and error and just really thinking about what you like to eat and the combinations that you like. And uh, again, some of them would just pop into your head. Like, I think that would be good as a peanut butter and realizing the, the resiliency of peanut butter, like what actually holds up in peanuts, uh, it's pretty crazy. You know, you would think some things would just dissolve, but they don't. So they actually hold up very well to the consistency and you can make a lot of really interesting stuff. So that's kind of how. So you had, like, if you mentioned you had 40, was this a continuous 40 or would you like limit launches? Yeah. So we would do drops. I always compared it to Nike. Mm -hmm. Um, It was funny. I had gotten some Info, or not information. I got some advice from uh, Dan over at Ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I knew him, you know, in his prior days. And he told me, he said, Brandon, he goes, whenever you're doing a drop, he goes, whether you're dropping 100 or 1,000, he goes, you don't need to tell anybody. He goes, as far as they know, it's limited. And drop it like you would a, a pair of Nikes, you know, because on the Nike drop, they sell out in minutes, right? And so when I started doing drops, I started with a smaller amount just to see how it would take. And it would sell out immediately, so I would, I would extend the drop, and I would do it longer. So after the first two or three different drops that I did, I, I realized, you know, what the market was going to pick up or not. And then seasonal flavors we did, you know, like different pumpkin flavors or apple pie flavor or, you know, stuff like that. And when we would drop those, you know, year to year, you you kind of know what to expect when you would do those. So. Yeah, that's that's something that's I like. We talk about the limited releases and people jump on that. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, you don't know if there's one or a million. Exactly. And so when I put it out there, it was limited. Well, it was limited, you know, but limited to a hundred thousand. Exactly. It could take two years to sell. Yeah. So I, like I said, I I would make smaller amounts just to see. And when I found where the market was going to take it, then we would prepare you know, better and have a much you know what I just number. thought of when we had Urs on here and he said, I did limited release. And he goes, they didn't know I only had whatever people bought. That was the limit because yeah, yeah, he had no yeah, money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, this was obviously a passion project, very successful. You had some, obviously some hurdles that you had to go through with distribution and then you've had the offers. So you decide to, uh, you know, basically, you know, have the company acquired. Yeah, I was uh, contacted by a company, more of a private equity type company, that wanted to use a similar name for a product. So um, I'm a surprise. First, you said my last name right. Yeah, no, I, I, so I would go on social media and I would talk about his butter before and I would use a curse word instead of his name. Yeah. And it would actually draw You're a attention. Bully. No, I did it on purpose. I know, you yes. know. 
<laughs> so it's a marketing ploy. They 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 have a similar name that they wanted to use. They wanted to get into the snack business, and they asked me if I would ever sell. And uh, at that point, like I said, I was ready to do something different. And we went back and forth for the course of about four or five months, and we came to an agreement. And uh, the brand is still technically running right now, but they're going to be spurning it into something new and different, mm-hmm. um, which I'm excited to see. And there'll be a, a name change um, coming. Are you those. involved at all anymore? I helped through the process of learning the business because, again, I learned it from the ground up. And these guys have done a ton of different companies and a lot of different things. A lot, I mean, even tech companies, like they're – do a lot of stuff a real real impressive group of guys and uh i helped facilitate a lot of different relationships and how things worked and and did about as much as i could and now they're they're ready to run on their own and they're going to do a phenomenal job they're going to do great so at what point did you guys talk at this point to potentially do something you know what we talked about it for a while before all this because you know he actually he made me some some peanut butter that actually had I think that one of the dogs or one dog on it or whatever, the big tub you made. Yes. And he kind of like, he could come up with these labels. He actually made me one with a quad stomp, mm-hmm. made my own jar. I wish I had it here, but I still actually have some in my cabinet. And, you know, we talked about, you know, expansion of butters, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, have you ever thought about doing, you know, pet products or whatever else? And I, you know, he knows my love for my dogs, right? So, um, and he knew that basically. And he said, you know, why don't we, you know, we looked at the market, I guess, and kind of explained how we, we kind of just spoke about it. And then it was, I don't even know what triggered the, yeah, let's do it. Well, I remember exactly. Okay. So exactly. He, knows, he knows a better story than I, me. It's surprising, it. right? You, usually I know. I know everything. Right? I know. Usually you do. Yeah. Are you, get, are you okay? You <laughs> no, need some no, of I this just, cognition or something to help yeah. your memory? Like every time I've talked to Jay, it goes right in my journal. <laughs> May 8th. Oh, you journaled like he used to. 2021. Yeah. Jay called today. That's why you're in Milos's seat. Yes. <laughs> Journals, guys. Yes. Uh, so for fun, uh, he's right. I, I made him a peanut butter and I put the, the quad stomp picture on it. And I just sent him a bunch of them. And it was he, a cookie one, by the way. I remember seeing it. I remember it. Yeah, it's in my cabinet. Yeah. So, yeah. And, he, and he got a kick out of that. And from he, there. He didn't send me one. He sent me, I don't even, probably like 24 or something. Yeah, probably yeah. two cases, you know. Yep. So sent a lot. And it was the one flavor he said he liked, so I made his own version of it. Uh, Cutler's Cookie is what we called it. And uh, and then I was messing around with, you know, the, the pet stuff, and I just put together a tub, and I put a picture of a dog on there, uh, a Yorkie, and I just sent it to him. I don't it's still say- sitting on my top shelf, actually. Yeah. So I, I didn't say anything about it. I just sent it out, and he got it. And, you know, he questioned. He's like, what's this? And I just told him, I said, it was just something we had been playing around with and weren't putting it into production or anything and uh, left it at that. And we were talking another time and I just said, you know, have you ever thought about a pet product? And he said, yeah, you know, loves his dogs and everybody knows that. And he was looking at different treats and stuff like that. And that was all the conversation was. And then randomly the next October, he messaged me and he just said, hey, that product, um, I think I've got time to finally come back to something like that. And that spurred the conversation. And we just started talking about it and what his ideas were and how I could help facilitate that. You know, um, he knew what he wanted to do. He had the time to do it and was ready to move forward with something that he was passionate about. You know, it wasn't, Hey, I want to make a million dollars to do this or I want to do that or whatever. It was like, 
I really love my dogs. I really want to share something with them. Uh, what do you think we can do? And I was like, wow, this is cool. And that's where, where it started. At what point did you, did you already know you have to come up with something a little different for humans and animals? Or is it's, at this point, did you start doing your research? I uh, started doing research uh, for sure. Uh, talking to veterinarians, dog breeders, stuff like that. And asking them, you know, have you worked with peanut products? Have you done this? What supplements do you give animals? Because there, there's, you know, different pet butters and stuff out there. Not many, uh, but none of them were using any supplements. And some of the biggest sailors on the, the number one is pet treats in general, the cookies and stuff like that. And that would have been an easy offshoot for him to go do. Um, this one I think is just a tad bit harder, but it doesn't necessarily have a huge market because a lot of companies aren't doing it. Now, if you were to probably look at Jif or Skippy or any of those companies and how much dogs eat those, it's probably a, a majority, huge, yeah. it's a majority, it's yeah. a huge percentage. So being able to facilitate a brand that's specifically for them with health benefits, you know, the vitamins, minerals, supplementation uh, made more sense mm -hmm. because, you know, that's why they're either eating the cookie for the treat or they're eating it for the, the positive ingredients, right? Yeah. And so if you, if you promote and put that in there, you're giving them, you know, a pet safe and healthy treat that that's good for them. And then from an owner standpoint, you know, who doesn't like, love to give their dog peanut butter? No. So, so if somebody sat down in front of you and they don't know what the difference is between if someone just had Skippy or Walmart peanut butter versus yeah. this, yep. what is the difference between the two? Why should you give an animal this instead of something you get in the grocery store? So, you know, we're working with an uh, organic peanut product. Uh, we aren't putting hydrogenated oils and preservatives and salts and sugar. Um, we're not putting molasses and, and all the other additives that aren't necessarily good for our pets. Uh, some products out there have xylitol, which is, you know, harmful to animals Can too. kill them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when you really care about your pet and you want to make sure that they're getting a, a healthy treat, you want to know what's in there, right? And of course, any anything in moderation isn't always always terrible. It's always in the dose, right? Whether it's vitamin C or aspirin or, or, or anything like that. Uh, so why not just negate that, take all that out of there and have a product that if the dog got into it and ate the whole jar, they'd still be okay, yeah. you know? And then looking at the the positive things, you know, um, we we have a, a mix of products, meaning we don't just have a supplemental line. We have a non-supplemental uh, line too. And the reason for that is dogs are picky, just like humans. And some people say they're not, but they are. Of course they are. And some dogs know when, when there's something in there that they're not used to or they don't like. And sometimes it takes them a little bit to come around. But once they've tried it, they're usually hooked on it, right? They're like, okay, this is pretty freaking good. Um, you know, so having a balance between the two also. And then from there, um, you know, we're, we're potentially going to launch into to other things. So, yeah, I mean, this, this, when I pull the jar out at my house, mm -hmm. the dogs go crazy. I think everyone, any dog probably would, but um, obviously they, this is the Capone and Daisy. So they're kind of like the stars of, of this whole thing. But we, you know, our message, obviously, and we want to talk a little bit about where we just transitioned to, um, is a healthy alternative, okay, because everyone that, that loves their pets, I mean, there's no limitations. Uh, like he said, everything's in moderation. I mean, it's just like, you know, I'm in the supplement game, so it's kind of like a, like a pivot off that, still doing products with offering supplements and what, what else, um, and having a healthy aspect, because I'll be honest, I mean, a lot of times I go to the store to look at, at treats and I'm very picky, honestly, about what treats I'll actually purchase for my dogs. And, you know, you look online, go on, you know, websites or Amazon, right? I mean, it's just, 
it's endless, right? How do you determine which, which one you want, you know? And obviously with my name, social media exposure, everything else, um, we just had a crazy unique opportunity because we were on national TV uh, with tens of millions of people mm -hmm. that actually I'm getting a lot of recognition for. I'm sure you're the same, uh, but we got to show, you know, the product and uh, it's really helped a lot with the company. Explain how, how did that process come about? That's, that's on brand and he's going to have to explain that process. Yeah. I, uh, I just called shark tank and I said, I know Jay Cutler. And, and that was <laughs> Darn, it. sold right on the dotted line. Um, we had been looking at, I remember the day he called me and said to me, <laughs> do you remember? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember this too. Cause you, I, you called me after. Yeah. It's, uh, we had already been looking at a, a couple different options for the company. Uh, we were having a couple different shipping issues and, and stuff like that. And we we're also looking at different products. Uh, we had been sampling uh, treats also. Uh, we were looking at squeeze pouches, stuff like that, um, that were easily, you know, able to be traveled with and, and all that stuff. <laughs> we were on, I think, on a call in a, I don't even know if he heard me when I said it because we we're on a, on a group call and I just said, Hey, I'm going to apply for shark tank. Is that cool? And I think he just said yes, but whether he, completely I was like, that, all right, dude, whatever, you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Okay. So I went through the whole application process and talked all about the brand and what we were doing and, and all that. And, uh, didn't think nothing of it. And about a month later, I got an email requesting a call. So called Jay up. Hey, uh, so Shark Tank messaged. It's like, okay. I said, well, I have to, I have to talk to him on the phone. Okay, let me know how that goes. <laughs> That's typical. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I uh, got on a call and we did this long interview. I mean, probably 45 minutes we talked. And I thought it went pretty well. So I was all excited and went back and I think it went really good. Okay. <laughs> let me know how it goes. I said, okay. And again, you know, when somebody's like, oh, we're going to go on national TV or have the potential to, like, you know, there, there was nothing set in stone at that point. So you're just like, okay, just let me know. I'm like, okay. And uh, then I got another call. And then they requested a video. So then I call them again. I'm like, hey, uh, we have to film a video. So I remember okay. that. <laughs> yes. So I set it up with, with Jay and came out to Vegas and I got to see you guys and we made our first video pitch, which then we submitted and then didn't hear anything back again right away for a little bit. And then uh, we had to do, I think, two or three like zooms, or zooms from there. And then the paperwork came. <laughs> All the paperwork. And I mean hundreds of pages of documents, everything about the company, yourself, background checks, everything. Um a lot of that. And then I think we had another Zoom. And then from there, they have two different times that they will uh, film uh, in the spring and in, in the fall. And they didn't say everything is, nothing is committal with, with it at all. I mean, literally, after you film, it's still, you're still not committed to airing. Like, they cover their butts as far as that goes. So every call, every message, every bit of paperwork, everything we signed, everything we sent them, nothing was ever committal. Because they would always say, well, basically tomorrow, we'll let you know. This, this won't exist anymore. It's like, okay, great. So you just keep doing it. That went on for about five and a half months of weekly doing something. And 
we were given uh, a team, two different people that we worked with. They were our coaches, so to speak. And the whole time, super, super positive people. They kept pitching us on the best ways to get on the show and what to do and, and, and what to say. And we just kept up with the process. And then eventually we thought we were going to be pushed off potentially to the fall. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, they called like what, two weeks beforehand? Yeah. Can you, be, can you be here basically? And, uh, you know, I think a lot of it was because of my timetable. Yeah. Like I travel so much and, you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, we were obviously you're involved. The gym was kind of the takeoff point at that point. And, you know, you were just exiting out of the other company. And I think it was just like that whole transitional process. And then, uh, you know, we were able to get the call to, uh, <laughs> Hey, can you make it for this? And, uh, you remember it. Cause I, was I, I remember because we had to fly to Europe the next day and he drove there yeah. and it was supposed to be at a certain time and it kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And I was like, Oh my God, he might, he might miss his flight tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't go to Europe without him. He's the, he's the reason we're going. Yep. And he drove through the night, got home for like well, an hour. Well, the reason, and the reason being it too is the dogs. Yeah. Right. Yes. So the dogs were part of the whole um, process. Because at one point we were going to switch your flight out of California and have yeah. Angie go with and drive the dogs back because you can't take the dogs. Yeah. And then I was going to come over. Like, we almost had to like switch all this yeah. around, but it worked out to where we ended up getting back in time. But I remember that it was kind of a stressful thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, if he doesn't get back, I can't. It's a pretty big event we're heading to. So, <laughs> well, it was, it was very drawn out when we got there. So, uh, you know, you expect to come in and come right back out. And, and they were as accommodating as they could be. For sure. First, they were going to have us go on late. And we had to push back and say, this doesn't work. So if he would have gone late, he would have for sure missed. Because that was they, the, yeah, because he had a flight out. Yeah. So he wasn't able to do that. So we had to just, you know, communicate that. And they did everything they could to make sure everything worked. Uh, the process still, even being in the first group, was very drawn out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we got to LA and, you know, they, we actually before, so before we got to LA, we actually had to do two different pitches, one live, I think in front of like producers and stuff before we got there. I mean, they really polish it to make sure like when you get up there, you're ready. Yeah. And, uh, we had that all the way up until we got there. So that, that last week was in the midst of him having to go all over the place. We had to get on. We had to listen to this multi-hour kind of, this is how it works. You can do this. You can't do that type of thing. Then we had to do the videos. Then we got there. And then we got up at pretty early, like 5 a.m. Yep. And we were at the studio by like 6 a.m. So we took pictures. We got there at 6 a.m. And uh, you think you're going to go on right away. Like you're just waiting. No, you were, t- I remember you texting me. I'm still here. I'm still yeah. here. <laughs> we went on around 3 p.m. Yeah. Uh, our coaches were there. We ran through the pitch multiple times. They take you over to the studio and you get a look at what the, the drop looks like, like all the pictures and, you know, your setup and kind of kind of run through it. And, and then, yeah, then when they're ready, they say, all right, let's go. They take you back. And you know, what's funny go. about this to me. I obviously travel all over the world with you and I know how you are. If we have to sit somewhere for 10 minutes or 15 or 20 that day, I was kind of silently laughing behind the scenes, like, he's been there for five hours. And I'm, I was waiting for him, like, I'm leaving. 
I'm not sitting here no more. <laughs> he he did really good. He kept looking at me. He's like, you nervous? I was like, no, I'm not nervous at all. Well, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> so you had, no, you had known some people that had participated before. Yeah, yeah. He was he was cooler than a cucumber, man. He was chill. <clears throat> he was great. I'm over there in the back of my head, like I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna. Well, because remember, thing. he's pitching. Yeah, he's pitching um, very detailed ingredients because he is obviously kind of the guy with that put up the yeah. the formulas and everything else. Had the experience. I mean, I'm just here. Hey, you know, my my pets are on here. It's my name, right? So it's a little easier pitch for me. Where it's like, and also, he was very being modest about his background. And of course, when they showed up images, you know, on the show, you know, and you guys had a party for all this, right? And it was pretty exciting for everything. Yes. Everyone in Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't the only star of the, of the, the, uh, the pitch, right? You know, you know what I like about all this? <clears throat> the fact that this is like almost a year process. Yeah. And nobody leaked it out. Nope. You know how hard that is for anything to happen. For you guys to go there and film Do you know it, how only many a people small were, people knew. People were mad, dude, that I yeah. was on, and they're like, "You didn't tell me you were." And, do but it. just think about it. Like anytime something happens, you tell somebody. Not one person said a word. Even the week it was going up, I still had. I never heard one person ever message me about it. Well, some of those big contracts that you sign, yeah, have a lot of big numbers behind those. So, yeah, it really makes you not want to, but. You know, at the same time, Jay's a busy person. I'm a busy person. You know, we're both working on different stuff. There's no reason to talk about it, you know, and just wait for yeah. it to come out. They don't tell you um, until three weeks before you air. So yeah. you don't even know when if it's going to happen. Or if it's gonna happen. Yeah. You just wait. And then that three weeks is when you have to get ready for the influx of customers and attention that you're going to get. And, uh, you know, which that part was awesome too. But, you know, the process is, it was almost a year. And it was, it was fully worth it. I mean, it was a lot of work, a lot of effort. Um, it's, it was cool because, again, you get to see Jay's passion for the product and, and the project. They wanted to have Jay come out sleeveless and, you know, have his arms out there. And, and Jay just politely told him, he's like, this, this isn't about me. You know, this is about, about the dogs and this is my passion project and I'd like it to be about them. Even when you look at the label, you know, th this is Jay and Capone on here, Yeah, but it's a silhouette. You can't tell. No. Yeah. And, and he wanted it that, that way, you know, and there's um, an actual picture, you know, we feed him. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so what, it, so what was it like the first time? Cause obviously he's seen himself on TV like that for you to turn on the TV and know that, uh, have you Massive been on national TV people. or no, not that many people? But yeah, I was I was on uh, the show, uh, the show Teen Mom, mm -hmm. and then the Titan Games with okay. The Rock. I got heard on that mm -hmm. uh, and had to with, had to pull out of the show. Um, so I I had seen some stuff before. Uh, you don't know what the episode's going to look like because we were yeah. up there for an hour, and when you first walk out there, it's a huge room. Yeah, and when I went to talk, it echoed. And I couldn't hear myself at first. So I almost panicked right away because I'm like, <laughs> I can't hear what I'm saying. And so got through the pitch and it's pretty chaotic. It's not. Yeah. You know, it was pretty cool. There's a lot of behind the stuff that we don't need to get into. Yeah. But it was like there was a lot of, uh, you know, it, it just a lot of back and forth, you know, and obviously it's edited for the show. Um, 
And uh, obviously we walked away with, uh, with no deal. We didn't, we didn't do a deal, but, uh, why did you not do the deal? Um, it just, it didn't, didn't, didn't work right. For, why would you say, I mean, I kind of called it, but yeah. You know, when you look at, as he said, there's a lot that goes on. You talk and talk and talk. Um, you know, both Mark and Damon, they're both like, you don't, you don't need a partner. No. And that's something I'll get to here in a little bit. Um, but when it came to the, to the offer, you know, they tried to push for us to make suggestions and have give them different ideas and stuff like that. But it definitely wasn't a deal for us. You know, we wanted to work with somebody that was as passionate as we were about the, the product and the project and, um, and, and, and really build a, a great relationship with, with one of the sharks. And, uh, you know, each one that didn't work out, didn't work out for a reason. And it all made sense. And for us to walk away made sense too. And now I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but one of the sharks is invested in a peanut butter company. Yeah. Uh, and a pet, pet company too. Um, you know, when you go down the line, Mark, you know, is into a couple of different companies. Damon doesn't know the space, just kept going on and on about, you know, how much he'd love to work with Jay in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin made an offer and then, they tried to, you know, work through potentially a different offer. Again, they showed part of that on, on the show. Lori is highly allergic to peanuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's definitely not a product for her. She said she has to be able to participate in something that she wants to invest in. And um, the, the the last shark, uh, he owns Kind Bar. And uh, Daniel, really nice guy. We actually got to meet him right before we went out there. His thought on it was one, he didn't know the pet space and two, Jay has so many things going on. He was worried that, you know, Jay's being pulled in so many directions. Like how much energy can you put into this? Yeah. You know, that's legit though. Well, no, we talk about that. And I mean, I think, I think, uh, you know, and mention that like we, we are very, um, we're very choosy about situational things for me. And I think it's in, it's your boat too. I mean, you mentioned being a dad. I mean, you have a child and, you know, you have time, like you're spending time at the gym. I mean, you still have some clients, right? I mean, you're still working. There's a lot of different hats that you wear. Yeah. So, you know, I know for me being my age and, and being where I'm at, being retired, I'd be retired 10 years from competition. I find my schedule busier than ever. I mean, because what happens with it's me, crazy. Brandon, and you know this, is I travel like, you know, ne- I'm off this weekend, but next week and I travel and it's like you lose three days and then it's like time change and everything else. And then all of a sudden it's like you got three days at home and then you're back on the road again and trying to manage all these these different entities. It's it's really difficult to do if you don't have a lot of good hands in it, right? Yeah. And so I can understand there, they just looked at the, you know, it being an extension, right? Yeah. And that's the other thing is, you have such a great team around you too, because you are so busy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's something that they really neglected to ask or, or talk about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're able to do a lot of things, but you also put excellence around you. So, um, but they, they all saw that for that. I mean, to be honest, the first half hour, cause we were up there for about an hour or so. I started to kind of zone out because they were all giving accolades to Jay for the first half hour. And our whole pitch was I was supposed to pitch some stuff. And then I just kind of hung out and waited. And literally Damon goes, Oh, we forgot to ask 
who you are. <laughs> and I went, I'm like, hi, <laughs> thanks. Completely forgot everything I was supposed to say. It, and again, just the way it went, because there was so much back and forth, you just don't know what it's going to look like. And I think they did a phenomenal job editing it. I think it looked great. They got to bring Jay uh, to a different you know, demographic of people that don't necessarily know him because you know, outside of the bodybuilding <coughs> world. And uh, it got to show a different personality of his too. You know, I mean, everybody knows he loves his dogs, but it, it got to show a different side of him, which I think resonates with a lot of people. So I'm, I'm not super familiar with how the show runs, but I'm assuming the reason that you do all that paperwork is if they want to invest, they really have to know who they're getting in business with. They need to know your background. If you've had problems or if you're a criminal or like, they probably have to know all this if they're putting their name and money behind you. Yeah. So there's a vesting period after the show. So if you get a deal, there's a vesting period where they go back through everything. Deals can change. They can rescind offers. They can change, you know, format, yes. all that stuff. So yeah, so up front, they have all these financial wizards, so to speak, go through all your stuff, really make sure that you're somebody that makes sense for the show, yeah. and they pr protect their clients, so to speak, and, and really make sure that they're bringing the right people onto the show. Of course. Could you imagine if, if you're on one of these shows and you're a, a billionaire or something and you get in business with somebody and you find out they have some shady stuff in the past that could affect your brand exactly. if you're you know tied in with them? So overall, you glad you guys did it? Yeah, I, I think it, it was it was great. I mean, the experience was great. I mean, I think I think for Brandon, like he was super excited about it because he knows a lot of brands that actually had the opportunity. I mean, you're I mean, you mentioned a, a handful of people that that had the opportunity going. And listen, I know so many people that applied to be on the show, and they are they are just continuing, just applying, 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 and it's just not happening, right? So. Um, we should be honored that we were able to be chosen. And, you know, as much as, you know, we would have loved to maybe get into business, we just, you know, we, we're heading in a great direction now. And, you know, we've had a lot of great, um, uh, you know, feedback on the products and everything else. I mean, it's kind of just getting out there really the, the past. I mean, we've been in business now, I think over a year now, but, you know, really starting to really make a push forward now. And, and uh, you know, we're excited for all the new things that are happening. So you got to talk about like, the different flavors and, and just, just pitch, pitch it as he looks at me. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know more about it than him. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have had four different jar flavors okay. and each of them has, has different ingredients. You know, this one's got peanuts, sweet potato, blueberry, um, and some other health additives. We've got another one, glucosamine, flaxseed. Uh, they're all for different purposes, you know, for digestive health, for, for joint health. And so, we, we state all that on our website, what they're, they're each good for. Um, we've ran with the jars for the last year. We're going to be transitioning into packets next. Um, pouches. Which yeah, pouches, we, we pouches. Seal a so you can yeah. just travel with it. And travel with it, yep. Cool. yep. So those will be uh, four and eight serving, depending on the weight of, of the dog. But you can reseal them, travel with them easy, uh, easily dispensable. You know, put it in your backpack, take it on a plane, whatever you want to do with those. So that's kind of the, the next thing that we have going on. Um, but yeah, they're like I said, it, they're all beneficial for your pet. They're all phenomenal treats. They're all all pet safe, all healthy for them, and uh, you know the, the future is going to be bright for us. I forgot where I was traveling, and you had me bring a couple with, or you had me bring one with, and I put it in my carry on, and they took it from me. 
at TSA. Oh, really? And I started arguing and yelling at them because they took it. Because I, I forgot where I was going, but I was bringing it to give to somebody. You're like, yeah, give it to them. Yeah. And I remember arguing with them here at the TSA, and I'm like, but it's not food. They're like, it's over such amount. I'm like, it's peanut butter. It's for animals. <laughs> I started arguing. Well, with you them. know, and it's, it's, I have this whole thing, this video. It's like, and you'll probably see this on the, on the podcast, actually. Uh, good enough for them. It's good enough for me, right? Because it's like I take a little, they take, and you saw me eat it on the show, you know? So that was pretty cool. They yeah, were kind of so where, that. So if somebody wants to buy it now, is it just on the website or can you get it? It's, it's uh, currently on the website. Yeah. We'll be working our way into. Uh, retail retail here this year uh we do have a, a big box which we actually discussed on the on the show um i'm still not going to say their name but they are still interested in us um they like the new stuff that we have going and if we land that that's a huge deal for us and we're super excited about that will you still be broke <laughs> <laughs> We're always broke. You know that. What about like, is it on Amazon? No, no. It will be soon. It'll it'll be on Amazon soon. So right now we're, we're making that big push. We've figured out all the the stuff that we needed to from shipping to manufacturing. Um, And again, you know, we, we got put in the spotlight uh, because of the show and we're going to carry it on now. We're going to create some phenomenal relationships with various influencers, uh, utilize Jay's network and, and, and following. Uh, we're going to grow the brand from there. Is, is there a challenge with shipping stuff because it's a little heavier? It isn't. No, I mean, we're, we're pretty much, it, it's just the the uh, efficiency right now mm-hmm. uh, because of keeping up production, stocking more inventory. You know, once you have the sales, it's obviously like, and then he talked about the retail locations. I mean, that's that's when you get the machine rolling. And I did this all with, with supplements. And I mean, he's done companies in the past. So, you know, you have to start from somewhere and it's, mm-hmm. You know, I still look at it as, you know, it's kind of a like a mom and pop operation early yeah. stages. Uh, and, you know, we're still, we just went back and forth. I mean, this week we just decided on on initial flavors, launch out flavors and what we're going to keep uh, pouches versus, you know, we, we talked about maybe just going straight to pouches and not having the jars, but I think the jars is a great option. We're going to actually keep the jars. Um, we have other things like we talk about the treats and I mean, the list goes on and on. We talked about many different things that we're going to work on, uh, once we have the legs, which we, I feel we do now. And this is a a random question. I have no idea. Um, because you owned a, a, a company, I'm assuming you couldn't just go back into selling it. Are you, were you able to launch a company with animals? Because you sold yours? That was, that was part of the agreement. Yeah. I wanted to put more time into this because this was right at its infancy when that Mm -hmm. started. And like I said, that's a great group of guys. They completely understood the opportunity, what I was going to do. I'm I'm not competing with them. And uh, this was something completely different. Because some things will have the non-disclosure or non-compete, but it's still, uh, but not in this. Nope. I was wondering how that worked out. Nope. We're uh, completely good as far as that goes. So, you know, one thing... I do want to discuss is, uh, you know, for the, the general public, because obviously I, I saw the post, I did some Google searches and, and I, I told you before this, that I kept seeing the word shocking. It's shocking that Jay's on Shark Tank. I'm like, shocking? Why is it shocking? And I'd read the article and, and all that stuff and everything was positive. I never saw any negative press or anything like yeah. that, but, you know, I want people to know that we had an immense opportunity that very few people get. I think they told me that 80,000 people had applied last season, 80,000. And how many people aired? Uh, what is it? I think 60, something like that. I can't remember the exact number. Point zero 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 one percent. a ton of people apply. 
And when you're able to go on TV over a weekend and expose the nation, so to speak, to a brand, you know, they average seven to eight million viewers, you know, in their initial release. And then it's, it's on reruns forever. And then to introduce Jay to a completely different demographic of people that may not know Jay, you know, Jay's got, I'm not even going to say how many followers because he always corrects me because he has more than what I always say, but say, you know, I want to, I want to see eight, what you say. 18 million. I don't even know how many. Do you know how many? Or? Well, well, you always correct him. You should know. No, no, what I don't know. I don't know. You? I think we were at 15 when I, before. You're, well, over, you're over 15. Well, I was throwing like 12 out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he just looks or at me and goes, that's wrong. <laughs> so I don't even guess That's just anymore. Facebook he, and Instagram. He used to keep yeah. track, actually. I yeah. used to have a, you know, just because I, look, this is my lane. I pay attention to athlete space. Yeah. And I used to have the top 10 followed people in the industry, and I would update it and see how, how fast they were growing and who was growing at what. So at one point, I had all the, all the people. Yeah. Um, but that's just the lane that I'm in because I help brands and you have to know who's growing at what level. Yeah. So, so, you know, people, again, I think they had some weird misconception. Like why is Jay on here? It's a massive opportunity that marketing we, marketing that we didn't have to pay for. And when it comes to the, the money per se, and I'm just going to say this, like we didn't need the money. No. We wanted a partner. We wanted to work with somebody that was passionate about pets like us. And we asked, it was strategic. We asked for X amount of dollars for X, X percent of the company because you have to ask for something yeah. and they have to be able to at least meet that price. And you can go up in equity and stuff like that. And we talked about the max equity that we were part, you know, we were Willing to comfortable yeah. with, yeah. you know, before the show. And again, you know, having a partner like a Mark Cuban or something of course. makes sense. Because but, they can turn a key and put it in a bunch of stores strategically. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And so it wasn't the money. It wasn't, you know, Jay's on his last dollar and he's struggling or anything like that. It was, he hey, is. yes, <laughs> we're going to get in front of millions and millions and millions of people. Yeah. And we're going to expose our product. We're going to expose Jay. And uh, it's going to give us a big boost moving forward. And the potential of landing an amazing partner in that, mm -hmm. you know, it was all worth it. So I think, I think a lot of people that watch it probably might not have really known who you are because it's on cable TV yeah. and a lot of younger generation that, that does follow Jay is more on social media and whatnot. I don't, I haven't had cable in 20 years, Yeah, but relatives of mine that are in their sixties message me, Hey, I saw that guy on TV on shark tank that you always travel with. Yeah. They have no clue, but now they're exposed to this and guess what? What yeah. percentage of American own, owns pets? How many people have asked you about it? That oh. seat, have people stopped you or tons? I've had so many people. I've had friends of mine tell me that they would be like in the baseball stands and somebody was talking about it, you know, different media outlets, reaching out different requests, messages. And again, like I said, my, my whole experience was positive except for reading those things on people, not understanding why. And I think in some cases, maybe it's, it's a lack of understanding, you know, marketing and mm -hmm. business growth and opportunity but, uh, you know, we came out <clears throat> winners here, you know, whoever, whoever wrote those articles has probably has never had to cut a check to get in front of 10 million potential yeah. customers talking to, and it's uh, not free. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, talking to one of my friends that was on there years ago and I was telling you guys earlier, like what kind of business they're doing a month and they didn't get a deal either. They turned down a deal, but they told me that every time their episode goes on, on a rerun, they see a massive spike. spike and that's been going on for five years. Yeah. And you know, so in perpetuity, like we're, we're in a good spot. 
And I just, I'm just thinking about how many people did reels or did YouTube videos and showed it and reposted it on their news network. Hey, yeah. Mr. Olympia was on Shark Tank. And so it spills way beyond, way, way beyond just the cable TV and the reruns. Yeah. My question is, do you eat the butter? I actually use it. I'm not going to lie. Well, I told, I told him on the show that this was his secret. This is how he, <laughs> yeah. how he won all those Olympias. He's, he doesn't eat it. I uh, am on a peanut butter break right now. <laughs> is there a reason for that? <laughs> because I was eating a jar a day. How, for how long? Uh, six years. Oh, my God. <laughs> do you know how much cardio you have to do? So, uh, <laughs> so give me a breakdown, Brandon, because you're, you're a strategic guy. You're precise. You're a fitness guy. Okay. How much fat, protein, calories are in a jar? You're on the sure. spot now. Put the camera right on you. Depending Don't get nervous. On, what fl- on this jar? Or? No, no. Just a, just give me give me like a synopsis of what oh, what like when you've eaten. Just give me a breakdown. Just how much fat is in a jar of peanut butter? It, it all depends on what flavor I was eating. Okay. Had so many different flavors. Basic. I was just going by calories at that point. How much? I was eating probably. 3,500 to 4,000 calories. Just from peanut butter? Just from peanut butter. What else did you eat? Protein. Yeah, but he's still shredded. I did that forever. So so you're on a keto diet for the most part. Basically. Yeah. I mean. Do you yeah. do keto? No. Okay, good. No. I was going to say. If so that's why keto, you had to cut back. As I've gotten older. So I always ate you know, six to seven meals a day when I competed. I, I went pro in the physique division. I had to do photo shoots and video shoots all the time. I had to stay in shape for about 10 years. The majority of the peanut, I always had peanut butter in my off season and I'd always eat a ton of it at night um, with like oatmeal and stuff like that. That was my off season. I ate very little when I was competing or I had to be in shape. Yeah. After I essentially retired, I don't know if you really retire you from being do, a, you never do, yeah. a physique pro, but um, it, uh, that's when I really started just to eat a ton of peanut butter. So I, I was actually fasting for most of the day and all of my protein and all that came at night. I, I ate very little carbs, mostly peanut butter, which obviously there's, there's carbs in peanut butter, especially the different flavors that I had, but it was protein and peanut butter basically. And I just, I think I was burnt out from the consistency of my diet for so many years. You know, I just, I ate the same stuff day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. And I'm back on that again. I'm eating more so how I used to. I'm eating less frequently. I'm probably eating three to four meals a day as opposed to six or seven. Mm-hmm. But my lifestyle has changed. I'm older. I'll be 45 this year trying to catch Jay. And uh, it just doesn't fit into that. The unfortunate thing is, like, I don't drink. I don't smoke, anything like that. Um, so that's, like, my one vice yeah. is I love to eat peanut butter. And I know if I eat it, I don't stop eating it. I just sit there with the spoon and I just eat the jar. That's why you need the packs. Yes. See, it's that's not about the dogs. It's about his consumption. Yes. That's, no, I that's mean, <laughs> unless you have 20 packs. <laughs> yeah. Just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a big event coming up at your gym here. Uh, this will air by then, right? By March 15th, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to air it this week. Okay. So, so talk a little bit about um, the gym culture event. Yeah. Gym culture event uh, is going to be March 16th. Um, 15th, we'll have some people in the 16th. It's our one year anniversary party. Uh, we have Michael Hearn coming to the event with Mona and, uh, have a couple other special guests, but 
who's going to come in and celebrate with us. Uh, he wants to do a question and answer for all those that are going to come and show up for that. So it's going to be a good time. You know, being in Lubbock, way out there in West Texas, first we had you, Jay, and, and we yeah, saw I went for the I went for the grand opening. Yeah, and the impact. Was that a year ago? or It was uh, yeah. a year ago. Wow. And the impact that that made, just how many people. So fast, right? Yeah. You know what's going through my head right now? We can't even get Mike here to come on the podcast. And I, I just told him he's, about six times. He said, I'm coming to Vegas. He comes to Vegas and then nothing. <laughs> I hope he watches this. I hope Dave does a reel for this one so we can call it Mike. And uh, so this is for the community. I mean, is it, uh, I mean, you've obviously grown membership uh, there quite a bit since I've been there. Yeah. Um, uh, the gym has gone awesome. We've done multiple events. Uh, we had you out. Uh, that was every, every event we have is for charity. So we had Jay out first. It was awesome to see because a lot of those people, just like me in South Dakota, like the first bodybuilder I ever saw was Jay. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing next to him and I'm six one and he's five nine. Yeah, right? five nine. And he was so big. <laughs> I thought he was taller than me. Like it was this weird optical illusion. Like I literally thought he was taller than me because he was so big. But in South Dakota, I never saw anything like that. So it's the same in Lubbock. Like a lot of these people have never seen a Jay Cutler uh, we had Phil Heath in after him and now Michael Hearn. And so to be able to bring those people uh, to the community and, and share share them with them is it's awesome. It's, How often do you plan to do these events? Um, I would say every six months. We've we've talked about doing, we did that uh, big backyard party last year. We would like to do something a lot bigger, get a lot of major brands there and really try to uh, make it more of a, a fitness destination for people uh, in the future. How long are your days, bro? My days? Yeah. I start, so I, I'm at the gym a lot and I'm training a lot right now. I have trained, personal trained up to 55 hours of actual training in a week. A I've done, I've done 12 straight hours, uh, in a row, no breaks. Um, then obviously running the gym, uh, my son goes to school early, uh, baseball practice, all that stuff. I work on the weekends. I'm in the gym over 75 hours a week for sure. And then the remaining time is with uh, Flavia, my fiance, and my son, Easton. Well, if you're running low on energy, you could have some Jay's pet butter. I could. I could. See? So what are you eating now, though, to keep up with the pace? Um, a lot of protein. I eat a lot more carbs. I'm very simplistic in, in food. I don't eat a variety of stuff. I don't like sauces and complicated things. I like uh, potatoes, sweet potatoes, white potatoes. I love oatmeal, uh, chicken. I eat a lot of beef, steak, hamburger. Don't eat a ton of fish, salmon every once in a while. Um, pretty like simple. Is he, is, he, is, he, is it hard to step away from the fitness model of lifestyle? Have you, have it, when you adapt to, you say you're retired and you obviously get busy, you have a child. Um, you guys are here in Vegas, and I know Flavia was saying that you guys are eating, trying out all these restaurants. Oh, she is. Yeah, she is. But, like, <laughs> you know, you come to these, so is it is it stuck with you? Because I always wonder, because people are surprised that I'm still in the, the routine that I'm in. Like, do you think it's going to be for your life that yeah. you'll continue to, to eat? Like, do you, like, even talking about calories and carbs and proteins and stuff like that, even, like, in your mind when you go out to eat, it's like, whether you eat chicken steak or fish or whatever, right? Yeah. You're always thinking, okay, this is a portion, right? Yeah. You know, I don't measure anything. If if I were trying to get in really good shape, um, you know, I would 
keep more account. But even when I competed, you know, I would measure oatmeal and stuff like that and my protein. I never did macros. I never counted calories. I never did anything like that. I just ate the same stuff day in and day out. And I would reduce food over time and I would add cardio. That's how I became my best. Now I'm just consistent. I don't crave sugar and sweets and cakes and pies. And I just don't crave that. Like I like my routine. Flavio will tell you, like we went out to dinner with friends the other night and they ate like this bananas fosters or something. And I went home and ate, ate oatmeal. Like that was literally what just I like wanted. you. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense. You went out to eat and then you go home to eat. <laughs> but I no, that was like, it's kind of, I'm, it's, it's, I'm saying like, it, do you ever think in your head? And this is a great question. Like I only ate two meals today. I ate three meals today. Or like, the, is there a certain number of meals you actually portions you try to eat in a day? Yeah. Like yeah, what, so what's that number? Usually four. Okay. So I'm same eating. Same as I'm me. Eating, same yeah, as me. So I'm eating that. But what I'm saying for me, like I have such a routine. My life is so routine because it's so busy. I don't like falling out of my routine. Even when I travel, like I don't like being gone from my routine. My routine follows me usually wherever I go. So I can look at food and know what I'm getting out of it. I don't need to measure it. I don't need to do any of those things. So I know what I'm eating. And if I fall one way or another, if I'm eating too much or too little, it all balances out because I'm so consistent all the time. So like when I say I eat oats at the end of the night, that's what I do every day. Like right now I eat like two and a half cups of oats at night. I like carbs at night. That's my thing. And uh, I put a banana in it, and I usually take some of your protein powder, Jay. Got to say that. And you get it for free, you know. Well, so <laughs> you laugh, but I I do that. I put your protein in there, and that's the last thing I eat every day, every day. And so when I went out to eat, you know, I got a steak and a potato and vegetables, and I had a salad and all that, and that's just my routine, you know. And being, like I said, I'll be 45 this year. Consistency is a reason why I'm holding together, why I'm able to perform, why I'm able to lift, why I'm able to still look the way that I do is because I'm so consistent all the time. I have a serious question now. If you went to Cheesecake Factory, what would you order? I would order sweet potato fries. And uh, what did does she know that she's laughing over there? She knows the order. Do you want to say it for him? Or? <laughs> well, we went out to eat last night at the Venetian. And I got a chicken salad um, because they didn't have the ahi tuna that I wanted. And then I got sweet potato fries. That's what I got. He just but, gets chicken and rice. I know. Yeah. But I usually, I usually do that too. Yeah. I usually get something simple when I go out. But that's what I know. And it's, but that's, that's the other part of it. It's what I like. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. I like that. I don't get sick of food. And I have food that I enjoy. I could eat chicken a million times. I could eat steak a million times. Yeah. And I don't get sick of it. And I'm not. Like I don't over season stuff. I don't use sauces. Like that's just me, you know, and I'm comfortable in that. Did, Some, is this the most common question people ask you in the gym? Like what to eat? Do you think the knowledge is the less hardest, training or less uh, food intake? That's the hardest question because people want to look a certain way, but sometimes they don't want to do the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. I've got a, a guy that I train right now. He's 58 years old and I do a, pretty crazy macro split with him where he has five days of consistency and he actually has two refeed days every, every weekend. And we started in September and his five days plus each refeed day, he's up over a thousand calories in each category and he's got more muscle 
and less body fat than he did when he started. So, so he's eating eat whatever he wants on the weekend or on the weekend. So he's still, or is it like refeed and carbs he tracks and good it. stuff? Okay. He tracks it all. Okay. But he's eating like lucky charms and stuff like that. He's eating processed foods, but he continues to get leaner. He continues to gain more muscle. And the thing, you know, with, with anything, and he says it all the time, he's very type A personality. It's if people could only get the nutrition part down, it would make a lot of this much easier. You know, Chris Aceto so. was always like that calories in, calories out kind of thing. Yeah. He just didn't like the fat, like adding extra fat. He, he always thought if you ate carbs and protein on a, like whatever it came, whatever sources they came from, yeah. he believed that the body can be managed in that sense. I think it's just that people, they just snowball the bad things on top and the lack of exercise and then, you know, not having their hormones corrected. It, it can be a, like a nightmare for them, right? Don't oh, you agree? Hormones are huge. Everybody I train, that's the first thing. Yeah. They have to have their hormones ran because otherwise you're treading water. Like if we're yeah. working our butt off, we're eating right and everything else, we're going to get frustrated and quit. You know, whether it's a thyroid issue, whether estrogen, testosterone, any of those things. Um, so that's that's mandatory for anybody I work with. You have to have your hormones ran. Mm-hmm. What else? Any other Jeez, questions on that? Anything else you want to promote? Anything else you want to promote? Um Good. Chase Pepper. Married June 22nd. Oh, con- congratulations to you yeah. guys. So, where are you going to your honeymoon? We're working on that. So, we uh, we had picked a few destinations, but there's war going on in those parts of the world. So, we're probably going to bypass that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd like to take two different trips. So, we'll, we'll pick some destinations here soon because it's coming up pretty quick. You have to say it on record, though. You're going to have at least one piece of cake or something. Oh yeah, we're actually in the in the midst of picking our our, our cake flavors. She she gets to decide what you guys eat on your on your honeymoon. Yes, yeah. So I'm actually gonna go into a mini cut for the wedding. Uh, Why you're gonna be in shirtless for the wedding or what? Um, I know after, but yes, after. <laughs> I think I think it it I want to bring my best. You know, uh, she's the best thing to ever happen to me, and I want to be the best I can be for her that day. You know, I want to be comfortable up there. I want to feel good in my clothes and out of my clothes. And, uh, you know, it's something that I want to do for myself and something to, to motivate me again. I just, I want to feel my best that day. And, and everybody knows how they feel when they're lean or if they have abs or, yeah, of course, you know, a fit for 50. I just did. I mean, I wanted to be the leanest. I haven't my seen birthday. my abs in like yeah. 10 years. I know. I know. Well, we, we are a lifestyle guy. He's, he's got the, he's got the pattern down. So. You know, that's big goals and a uh, big year. And uh, we appreciate you coming out and uh, joining the podcast and, you know, promoting what you have going on. I think it's a cool transition. I mean, does it excite you as much as when you got into fitness and, you know, you were traveling around? I mean, what's, what is it? I mean, you, you plan on expansion for the, your whole facilities and everything else down in Lubbock. Does this excite me as much? Yeah. As much as it did in the past? Or yeah, like the fitness, I mean, fitness, I know when we all get into it, we're all super motivated, right? Is it now like the business side of what you're doing and being able to give back to people because of the knowledge that you learned? Is that exciting to you? Yeah, I I think it's almost more exciting. It's kind of like when you transition per se, let's say from competing to coaching, right? And you're more excited about a client up on stage than you were ever yourself, you know, taking the knowledge that I've learned over years and years and years of being able to sit with people like you and, and others 
and work with companies and and take all that knowledge and credibility and pass that on to other people. I love that. I love the process of building things and and uh, taking an idea and, and taking it to market or you know facilitating change in a, in a person or a company or any of those things. I love the process of things and now feeling like I actually know something about a few things. It's fun to share that knowledge with other people, but it's equally um, is, is great to continue to learn. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm a student every day. I train a lot of amazing people. You talk about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Doctors and lawyers and surgeons and, you know, being able to sit with you on numerous occasions and have you tell stories of when you first started coming up or, you know, how you did this or how you did that or what it was like for this contest or what your diet was like. Like, I love those things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still just as much of a student as, as I am a, uh, educator. And, uh, I really like that process. That's great, man. We appreciate coming out, man. I hope you enjoy the rest of the trip and, uh, you know, we'll see you, uh, when I come back out to Lubbock, right? Well, I'll be back, you back out soon, there. Yeah. And, uh, I appreciate you, Jay. Uh, you know, you've been a motivation inspiration to millions and millions and millions of people around the world. And, uh, it's, it's great to see that continue to grow and social media today, you know, give you that outlet to reach people, you know, all over the world. And I, I tell people that you did it when it was hard, you know, when we didn't have social media, when we had magazines and I was, you know, a 14 year old kid in a library in high school, you know, trying to better myself. And, uh, now I pop on my Facebook or Instagram and there's always a video Jay that pops up, um, whether it be new content or old, you know, I still continue to have the opportunity to, to learn from you. So for that, I'm appreciative also. That's awesome. I mean, that's how you met me too, right? Yeah. I met Jay at a show yeah. 25 years ago. How was I? 20, 22, 23. Yeah. yeah. 99. Pretty crazy how it all comes in full circle. So yeah. I appreciate it so much. Well, I went from 14 years old in a high school library to sitting here on a podcast with you as a business partner. Hopefully, you know, pulling my weight to help you take this product to the best that it can be. So or we're going to the moon. So yes, to the moon. Are you going to yeah. put a bunch of social media posts now with the, yeah, the yeah, rocket, yeah, yeah. like all the other people do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks.